Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. If we could look uh, this morning, chapter 12, I'll begin reading in verse 5 through 11. Let's take a real close look at what this writer of Hebrews is teaching us today. Verse 5, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the ones He loves, and He chastises every, would you say with me, every, every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom this father does not discipline? He's asking the question. If you are left without discipline, notice this truth, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, If you go around with no discipline, you are illegitimate. Interesting statement by God Himself. If God couldn't correct His own and couldn't correct us, we would find ourselves illegitimate. Besides this, we have had an earthly father who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, that is our fathers in the earth, discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, that is God, disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. Interesting text of Scripture. I'm not sure either that uh, discipline is popular preaching either. Nonetheless, I feel today to really share on discipline and, and to start with the text in Hebrews to understand The foundation for discipline. The very preface, if you will, for what God wants to do great in our life will always bring with it some discipline. Again, none of this chastisement for the present seems to be joyous, but afterwards will truly allow you to reap and enjoy the fruitful things of God. There's something fruitful about when a father disciplines correctly. Even a mother disciplines correctly. There's something about it. And I know that in the congregation and in America today, that there are families, some of them have a mother and father. Other than may be dealing in a, a single parent home. And the, the Scriptures today can definitely speak to every person. Discipline is an issue, it's a must. 
And I want to give you a backdrop of what Jesus come on the scene with in, in the days of Rome when Jesus was born and began to minister abroad. I want to give you an idea of what the culture was like because our culture is really beginning to go a direction and it's in contrast to the truth of how God asked us to live as mothers and fathers and as just singles and peoples uh, in the United States of America. But in the days of Rome, there was what they called absolute power. This absolute power had to do with the father having total power over his children all the time. And it was really, it was hideous to the point that even if, if this father didn't want a male child, that they would even kill the female child. And no matter what the age, of, you never came to adulthood in this culture. It was always the father was supreme and to the degree that it was just, it was hideous. Again, it was, it was pagan-like and then the things that they would do. And that culture was so heavy on a father being in total and absolute power. And now we can look at the culture of America and you see that it swung the whole other direction where in that culture there was a power-hungry uh, elitist at the top. And now we have almost a generation where the children have become the instructors of the home. Where the children, it's about the children. Now no one here discredits our children. The Bible's wanting to speak to us to tell us how to instruct and discipline our children. And we start with a text in Hebrews saying that even God Himself with His own children is going to chastise them. And if He can't chastise us, we are illegitimate. Do you know what it feels like to be illegitimate? Do you know what it feels Think about what it feels like to come to an altar and you can bring your burden to the Lord. And you can know that this Father has your best interest in mind. You can take the, the areas of your life that are trouble and you're not sure of, and, and knowing that you're not illegitimate, that you're not without a father, you could deliver this to him, and he can be faithful to you. Tremendous. But if we are in a generation where it's all about what the children want, if we are in a generation where the children make all the decisions, if we are even in church, where it's all about what the children want, then we can ask ourselves some very valid questions. And then we have to ask ourselves, because children are present, are we disciplining our children? It's quiet. Should we discipline? What does culture, what does our culture look like? And what does the Bible say? I'm going to get into this. I'm very slow this morning. Maybe you wondered if I would just come out of the box like a rabbit running and <laughs> maybe next time in this culture of absolute uh, power and it was abusive it was pagan like it was hideous in the roman culture you have jesus saying things like this that would balance it suffer those little children to come unto me don't discredit these children because in this culture the child didn't have any strength any power any voice at all you have also the Scriptures and Jesus teaches it would be better for you in a culture where the children were just really almost nothing to that culture in Rome that the father could say, I don't want the female child, just throw her away. Jesus says, 
It would be better for you if you hung a millstone around your neck and be cast into the sea than to prevent one of these children from coming unto me. Jesus is speaking the truth. You have the writer later, Paul the Apostle, that writes, to the fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke them. Don't provoke your children to anger. You don't want to weaken your voice in just provoking your children. You don't as a father, and I speak into fathers on this side, we as fathers do not have to prove who we are. We have to and have the opportunity of being who God made us to be. If you're always seeming to have to pushing your authority around, I can assure you there is no authority within the home. And the children you have no more want to be illegitimate under your watch than God wants you to be illegitimate under His watch. And if God Himself knows that in order to be a wonderful son, you must be corrected and I must be corrected so that we know we're not illegitimate, He would surely require of us as fathers to discipline our children. And so you begin to face discipline and the culture and the world has all kinds of things to say about that. Can you imagine being a school teacher in this day? We don't have to imagine. We have plenty of school teachers here. I mean, surely you go to the mall. Surely you look at the culture. You go out to eat. And children are running the show everywhere. I mean, they scream. They get what they want. They do this. They get what they want. I mean, you see frustrated parents and it's just running away. And what happens is that you have a, in school, when I was a child, and I was a, you know, a, a very well-behaving child in school. No. No. And so what happened with little Aaron, the innocent little guy in class that always was making everybody laugh and getting in trouble, was I had much of the uh, symptoms of our day that you see today. And boy, this is a touchy subject, but I'm going to speak on this, okay? You see, they didn't medicate everyone in my class when I was there. What they did with me is said, Aaron has some attention deficit. And Aaron, you go to the back room, we have a paddle for you. And guess what, Aaron? You won't have this anymore when you come out of this room. And boy, I didn't. I mean, it just took one swat, and all of a sudden, I'm ready to listen to the teacher, you know. It's amazing how many excuses are in. Now, I'm not suggesting, and I'm not just, I know there's, I don't worry, I'll get a letter, I'll get a phone call, whatever it may be. We need discipline. A prescription is not the discipline of a home. And it's not the discipline within a school. It is not the discipline for the psychiatric wards of children and others that end up in places because mentally they're illegitimate spiritually. We have a disease in America. We have something going on that needs to be spoken to. These aren't easy issues for pastors. But if in the school now, it is a, it's a place where you can't discipline as a teacher, or maybe if you can, it's very limited in the country. And I know there are some places that still allow if you get a parental consent. What happens to a generation that can't be disciplined? 
After all, it's unjust. You think it's unkind to a child to discipline him at school? Then can I show you and walk you down a path of what we look like as a culture when we start without discipline at home and in the school? If a school discipline is wrong, then you end up that it's unfair for your father and mother to say to you at home, you shouldn't do something. And all of a sudden, in the mind of children... They begin to see that at school they can't do anything. There's no authority there. You can't spank me. Nah, 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 nah. That's kind of the attitude. I'll do what I want. You didn't do what you wanted when I was a kid. They would spank it out of you. And if when you went home you knew, guess what I knew? I'm getting it again. At school, they could bring my attention deficit into position. I can only give you my testimony. I was fully attention deficit. Paddled me, straight on attention. Get home, big trouble again. And that's when the parents back the teachers. I'm asking you as mothers, fathers, singles, or uh, couples that are here, if you have children, please back your school teachers. Will you go into these meetings and with humility not begin to treat them like they're your enemy, but tell them they can tell your child to be quiet when they need to, if they need an example in the classroom. And you will have given light to that, not only school teacher, but to others, the light of God, I can assure you, as we continue to read here in just a moment. And so if it's unfair in the school to discipline, and the child gets home, and na 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 you can't do anything about this, then guess what you have? An unruly child on your hands. And then they get a little bit older and they end up in the court. And whatever the judge says to them, they believe is unruly also. They see him as the enemy and not the one trying to be a lawgiver that would give correction to their life because after all, in school they couldn't discipline me. My daddy never disciplined me. And you must be my enemy also. And in the heart starts to rage rebellion and illegitimacy and a lack of security. They get a bit older and they decide they would even come to church after they have been in this position. And now we have across the land churches full that are supposed to be qualified. The Bible says a pastor is a man who is absolutely leading his home, loving his wife, disciplining, disciplining his children. That means you look at his wife and children and see how they act. See how they live. That's what the Bible said in Timothy and Titus. You're looking for a pastor. If you were looking for a pastor next week, the Bible tells you how to do it. You find the husband of one wife. You find a man that's not greedy over money. You've got to make sure that he's not greedy You've got to make sure he's not given to wine, that he's not a drunkard. And I say this for the radio broadcast, not for here at home. If you're flirting around with alcohol and trying to find scriptures to see what you can get away with, shame on you. If the Holy Spirit convicts you to that, get rid of it and walk away. It's called sanctification and repentance. And be a testimony and a light of God and quit making excuses. And so we're not greedy. We're not, we're not, we're not given to wine. I'm not a striker. And if I am, I'm no good to you. I can't beat a wife or otherwise and be a good pastor. I can't treat her 
the way I must treat my wife if I'm going to pastor, I must love her completely and wholly, always willing to give my life for her. Because if I can't love her, this one wife God gave to me, I'll be no good for you. You are His bride. He gave His life for you. Now this doesn't mean that anything goes in my home. And it doesn't mean that anything goes in the church. Wow. And so the young people, are, and they're getting older, and they go to the court, and now all of a sudden they couldn't be corrected at school. We wasn't corrected at home. Now we can't be corrected with the courts. They then get to a church for hope. And if they cannot be given true correction by the Word of God, and they disobey the Holy Spirit and the one delivering, I can assure you they are still illegitimate. We are blaming a culture saying they don't want to hear the truth of Christ. This culture is crying out to be legitimate before God and their own fathers and mothers. And I'm I'm just pleading a plea in the Scriptures and the Word of God to say, God, will you adjust me as a father? I'm not doing everything perfect. I'm learning also, church. But let's do this together. How many churches, this is what we're talking about today, how many churches in the land where the pastor would actually say something in some kind of discipline where they wouldn't leave the congregation? It's a, you know what we've got on the scene? And I preached last week on itching ear syndrome, turning from the truth. we got seeker-friendly going on. Seeker-friendly churches. It's like, don't be too hard on the Scriptures because we're, we're seeking to be friends. What's that mean? Does that mean you quit preaching repentance? Does that mean you quit preaching hell and heaven? That the truth is, this young Johnny that didn't get disciplined at school and at home and the judge is going to spend all of his life incarcerated in a penitentiary because you wouldn't correct him. Now he's in community corrections today. We need to be taught the Word of God and adhere to it and then be the examples of the church So it starts at home, church. And if you're single or married, doesn't matter. You can get in the Word of God and you can teach your children what the Scriptures say and what's not allowed. They say, if you really love me, you won't discipline me. That's the accusation. You're always going to get that. True love. Listen, I'm, I've got five children. As I get older, I know I soften as a father a little bit. I'm noticing it, okay? And there are some things in a practical way, church, I just want to share with you, okay? When, when my oldest daughter, when Hannah was a baby, and she was growing up, it seemed like I was more on top of, Okay? I think I was more just nervous, you know, wanting this to work out good. Boy, I'm proud as ever. I'm a proud daddy. Amen. She's tremendous. And as I have went down, there's also a confidence that I have as a father in a practical way that, that Isaiah is number five. He's not the first one. He's not practice for me. Are you with me? And some of you, if you're dealing with your first child, I want you to confidently know that if you'll put the boundaries and just develop those safe places in your life let mom and dad be a safe spot if you're a single parent just be a safe spot for them to come home to and then set those boundaries that just this doesn't happen you know you don't have to always when they get close to the boundary uh 
push too hard to the center, they're just going to stay in the boundaries. But always establish and never move on that. You make sure you keep those boundaries, they're always going to love you for it. I find out also, if I'd say no, no to my children, it doesn't drive them away. The world's lying to you. The world's lying to you that when you correct your children, they will not love you. That is a lie. Your children will not love you if you don't correct them. They want to know, the Bible just said, the father who loves us most has to chastise. And if it's a father and mother we can't discipline, you have not displayed the love to the children that they need to see. So don't believe the accusation that if you love me, you wouldn't discipline me. The truth is the culture's not disciplining. Therefore, the children feel illegitimate and don't feel the love of a father and mother. And subsequently, it goes into other areas. Discipline does demonstrate love. Proverbs, uh, just write this down. I'm not going to read all these to you. This is some information if you're taking notes to go home to. If you're a, a, a parent or maybe even a grandparent and you're helping give instruction, these are some great scriptures to read with your children so they understand the law of God. The, the wisest man who ever lived was Solomon. Jesus said he was the wisest man to ever live, but then he said that greater than Solomon is right here. And listen to what he said. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 through 12, he said, My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For the one that the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. A father that corrects a son delights in his son. A father that says no to this is one who delights in his son. The Bible said the one that the father corrects is, is you know, like the, the generation right now saying, If you love me, you wouldn't correct me. Na 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 na. No, correct that child. It's your child. It's your heritage in the Lord. And we'll have to make a decision whether we believe the Bible on these issues. The culture's going the other direction where anything goes. You can look like anything you want. You can be anything you want. That's not what the Bible says. The truth and the standard for our life is the Word of God. Second one, discipline early. May I say this, when the children are young, start early. And maybe you say in this service, I've not done good, just get started. Get started earlier than later. Okay, it'll be easier because there gets to be an age where it's very tough to discipline. Once they hit a certain age, I'm not going to name the age because someone may be very discouraged, you know, and say later, but there's an age you get to where, boy, the, you know, wild oats always stays the same, and there you go, and you're wishing. But listen, don't ever, uh, don't think that it's ever not a time that you should get started now. If you say, you know what, I've not done a good job here, let God encourage you in this service, and go home and just begin to set some boundaries, and see if, if it's right that your children don't begin to adhere to you after you have corrected them. Oh, they'll pout if they've not been disciplined in a while, or maybe none at all. At first, they're going to, ah, they'll throw the, the weirdest tantrum you've ever seen. Don't move when they throw a fit. One thing I learned to raise in five children, you throw a fit, it will not help you. You throw a fit, you'll be throwing a fit until you're done throwing a fit, and I'll be waiting here until we're done with it. And in the church as a pastor, I can tell you I've seen some fits also. Throw a fit as long as you want. A fit will never do you any good. This is why the Bible said, find the pastor that has discipline at home. Now, a response always gets you a response. And what happens is they end up coming right into your arms. It won't take minutes now if I say no to Isaiah on something. No. 
and it won't take long. Here he comes right up into daddy's arms. It's a wonderful thing to receive them after you have given this correction. If you discipline early, Proverbs said in chapter 13, verse 24, he that spares the rod hates his son. If you don't correct, the Bible says you hate your child. Contrary to what the world says, right? If the world says, if you've disciplined them, you don't love me, the Bible says, the one who spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him will chasten him be times or early. Like early I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure. That's why even now I look at Isaiah and boy, he's really testing the boundaries, but man, I've got to keep him up and and the truth is, I'm softening more as I get a little older, and I'm, I guess it's because you're getting ready later on for grandkids or something, you know. Now, this doesn't count when it comes to grandkids. Just kidding. I'm just teasing. Amen. Okay. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18 says, Chasten your son while there is still hope. Chasten them early. Discipline them early on. While it's still hope, and let not your soul spare for his crying. Don't let a little crying change your mind. Don't let that whine and remove you. You figure out where your boundaries are. Can I give some other instruction? If you're husbands and wives, and this is maybe discipline's a new subject, or it's been an uncomfortable subject for you, agree on what your boundaries are before you discipline the children. Agree on your boundaries together in prayer. By the Word of God, let the Word of God give you counsel. And then you agree. If you're single... You still let the Word of God give you counsel. Don't feel as though you can't do it. I want you to be encouraged and move toward the Word of God. Sit down with your children. Now, if you're couples, I want you to sit down, husband and wife, and agree. As a mother or father that's single, raising children, and there are people who can feel that way even married, nonetheless, I want you to know something. You get the Word of God and make sure that you are ministering some Scripture to your children on where you, this is why we stand here. That way later when you're ministering Christ to them out of the Scriptures, they understand that as well. So, you know, mom and daddy or mom or dad is not trying to just be mean to you. The Bible tells us the best way to live, and you know that's how we're living, and this is what it says, and here's where our boundaries are. We don't do this because of this, and just leave it there. Now, if they've not been disciplined in a while, you're going to have a big fit for a while. Let them throw their fit. Until their cry changes. I said, until their cry changes. There's a cry that's one of rebellion. You're not breaking the spirit of the child, just the will. And there's a cry that I won't mention any names. I was so frustrated about 12 to 18 months of age. It seemed like every time we'd go somewhere nice. You ever notice when a child wants to be disruptive? It's always when they know they can get away with it. In a restaurant. At church. And I'll tell you what will happen. We'd had this big blow up, and I was just beside myself. I thought, man, this is, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling frustrated. And I just, what I did was just waited. There used to be these fits, and then I'd kind of give in to it. That never works. It will never work. So what I started doing is this fit would start, and I said, that's it. The fits are over in this home. And so I waited. That, that cry could go. I don't care if it's 24 hours you want to cry or whatever. You just keep on crying. And pretty soon the cry changed from rebellion a father and mother knows when that cry heads toward, I need you. I need you, mom or dad. I need you. Well, I'm, I'm, I need you. Huh? Now, the instant you hear that cry, you run yourself upon the child. 
run to the child and grab them and let them know you're always their help, but you're never going to move for their rebellion or their trouble. And when that cry changes, so you, if you're just new to discipline, you may have to allow this discipline and this fit to take place. Do not move. Do not change your stand. Let them know this will never get you anywhere. But if you will humble yourself, as I have to humble myself as a father before God, I humble myself before this service on my knees, you will also have to humble yourself to get a response from me. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, and so does this father. If you're prideful, it will not work. Okay. Proverbs 22.15 on disciplining early. Foolishness, here's why. Foolishness, the proverb said, is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. It's bound. Do we understand what the Scripture just said? It's bound in there. No one taught Johnny how to cuss, lie, cheat, commit adultery, steal. No one taught him. It's bound in there. It's our responsibilities as mothers and fathers to discipline Johnny to let him know you can drive it far away from him by disciplining him. Everybody's like... That's what the Scripture said. That means as sweet as all my children are when they were young, What's bound, bound in their heart. It's not an option. It's bound in there. And it is going to come out and give you an opportunity to be a father and a mother doing the will of God to show them how to be a legitimate child of their parents, therefore and thereby giving you an opportunity upon your deathbed of the peace that only God gives for those who have a heritage in Him by the Word of God, by the Holy Ghost, and the instruction given. And as we do this, this is how you have a heritage. If we don't discipline our children, we will not have a heritage of God. And it won't be because God's resurrection wasn't true, and the Spirit of God doesn't work. It'll be because we didn't do the simple things that mattered the most. And Paul wrote and said, I fear through subtlety, that the enemy will remove you from the simplicity which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. As He beguiled Eve in the garden, so He will beguile you. And the beguiling is present. Take yourself to the mall. Take yourself to restaurants. And see if everything doesn't cater for just the children. And that's a great thing to have your children in mind. But our focus of our family is not just to always cater to children, especially undisciplined children who've never never had discipline to know which way to go, which way would they lead a home. The way they lead a home is to division and destruction. And it turns mothers and fathers against one another who are not focused upon God first. You will not have unity in your marriage unless you first have unity with Jesus Christ. And every marriage will only be complete when each individual faces solely upon Christ alone, thereby creating the miraculous of two becoming one by the Spirit and the Word of God, of focusing first on Him, and now this agreement is perfect because we both humbled ourselves. Now we're humble to one another. And if you will agree on earth on this, God will bind in heaven your heritage, your future, and all that He's done.
I believe the last verse because we're out of time. It will save you from grief. If you will do what God asks you to do, it will save you from grief. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. The rod of reproof will give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous see their fall. That's what's going on with our generation. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. He shall give delight unto your soul. If we do not discipline our children and allow ourselves to be... Now, hold on. It isn't a free pass for discipline to the children if we're not first humble before God ourselves. Your discipline according to the Word of God will never work unless you and I are individually humble, willing to be disciplined by God first. As the example of the home, your authority, you don't get a free pass. Neither does the pastor. We must humble ourselves, always willing for their good, whether it's in discipline or in action. They must know at all times what we do for them is for their good. A child can learn that at all costs, at any time, no matter what decisions made by my mother, my father, in agreement or individually, what they are doing is for my good, and I know they serve God this way, and they're humble this way, and I will follow the direction and the voice of my father, my mother. I want to please them, and if you'll do this, you can teach your children to honor you and love you, and they can live long in the earth, and you'll have a heritage. I mean, that's wonderful. But it's not doable without the practical nature And another thing, church, what we want to do, since there's newcomers and children, a lot of people that may not be used to it, we want to be patient. We want to be patient, church. We want them to be able to set their children in the pew. I don't think it'd be an undoable thing if at times. I know that some of our teachers are talking about ages and how they do this, and in the back there's more and more children, and But you know, nothing wrong with lining your children up. They may whine for a few weeks, three weeks, four weeks, but pretty soon it'll subside, and pretty soon I would love to see that we go on these little trips, and I believe we will see it, and they'll say it's the best children, best group of children we've ever had. We don't have to be mean to the children of this one. We just say this is it. This is what we do and what we don't do. And you know what? If we'll do the correcting, the correcting of the children, our own children, and, and even in the house of God, the community corrections will not have a place to build on to but they are full of today. My heart has always been, if I had a number one place to preach, number one place to preach for this preacher, I want to get to a prison courtyard with at least 1,000 men or women that have been told their whole life they would never amount to anything and believe truly in their heart that they were illegitimate. I would love to communicate the gospel. Let us not forsake the discipline and the truth of the Word of God We do not want our children to end up in this spot of illegitimacy, but we want every person as they come to the house of God also, say you come out of a hard thing, illegitimate. You want to come to the house of God and say, I receive your discipline, Pastor. I know for sure that you wouldn't say this just trying to get what you want. You wouldn't teach these things just trying to be popular in the earth. You'll only teach these things because they're true. I want to encourage you also. uh, Mothers and fathers, you begin to do this. 
I know singles, it's different. You can agree on the word, pray with your children, just establish boundary. But mothers and fathers, you can't be in disagreement. You can't, no. And there's an order of the home. The father is the protector, the provider, and spiritual leader. I don't care how much your job pays as a lady. You are the head. And I know this generation doesn't like this preaching, and it doesn't matter to me. A father's made to be a father. And a wife's made to be the wife. Beautiful bride. Yesterday my niece was married. She's spectacular. I promise you he cannot take her place. But this father, he's made to do what God called him to do in his home. And I'm asking you, if you even have hard situations, let the father be the father. And if you have a disagreement with him, do it alone with one another. Do not do it in front of the children. And if you do it that way, you will have created trouble for your home and your marriage. Now, even if you are where lives have come together and there's difference of children, I'm still asking you to do the same. Come together. If you're married, you've received him as the head. You've received him as a protector, provider, and spiritual leader. You must take the back seat. He, will, he is equipped to go out and make the voice. The father's voice is an interesting thing. That's why so many times you hear in our culture, when your dad gets home, Um, that's why you hear that. There's a very natural thing about males taking care. Our culture's gone nuts, unbiblical on males and females. Just for, Don't worry about that. Let's just do it God's way. Is that okay? Uh, a woman's never going to be a man. I don't care how many surgeries they do, okay? God, whatever God made you as is what you are, okay? And when I get out there and look at a calf, I can flip it over once and tell you male or female. And that's how God will see this, Okay? God's not confused about our crazy culture and all the nonsense going on. I'm teaching you straightforward, as, as, as simple as I know how today. But if you're divided at home, I'm, I'm going to warn you of danger ahead for your children and for your marriage. So if you're a wife that has learned to become strong, boy, I'm really getting in some areas. <laughs> well, you can. And, and can I say this to the credit of some ladies that have been in a very bad situation? They become strong because they had to. Okay, but then sometimes, you know, they'll humble themselves before God and the Word of God. And then, uh, uh, but, but listen, if you've had that hard situation and you've come to Christ, then don't be dating a guy that doesn't love Jesus. And because what will happen is you'll frustrate the grace of God in your relationship and be so unequally yoked, one goes one direction, one the other. Now, if you're in that, you win him through your holy conversation, First Peter's clear. So at all costs, you're never without an option. I'm just saying, let's go the best way first. That's what we want for our children. That's what God wants for you. And let's get in agreement in the home. So if you found yourself strong, and now you have a husband, or it's even Reese, however it may be, you, there's no option for you to, you can communicate all your interest to your husband, but let him have that position in your home. And if you get in the way as a wife of this discipline or correction, and say a word while he's telling the child what they should or shouldn't do, you have just thrown him over the cliff. And then he feels so belittled, he don't know how to protect you now. He don't know how to give you what you really want the most, which is a security of your home. And what you'll love the most is just humble. And I'm speaking, I know the, I'm not trying to be lopsided. I'm just saying to the ladies, I deal with this uh, at times in the past. If you just humble... Before Christ, you'll find it very easy to humble yourself before your husband. You're only raging against the husband because you're raging against Jesus. 
And if he can't receive you when you're humble, then we've got to send him to the pastor's office. <laughs> and my wife will give him a talking to. You know, no. Um, so one thing, I, and, I, and I know I hit the bullseye on a wife. I understand that. She's by nature a tremendous lady. But also there's one thing we have never done. We don't get in each other's way on this, you know. And, uh, and I thank God for that. She's allowed me, even at, at times that I don't always do it right. But we can talk. I mean, we're not always going to get it right the first time. But, boy, you give us a little bit of time, and we're going to get something right, you know. Because we, you know what, as husbands, we want to we wanna serve you. And if you're out here and you don't have a husband or you're single, I just want you to put all your hope in God. He can give you your heart's desire. So you're never without options here, okay? Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 9.45 a.m. with worship services at 10.45 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 830 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.